Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Good morning. Welcome to you from Crozet United Methodist Church. I'm Sarah, the pastor here, and we are so glad that you are able to join us for our worship. There are a few things that we want to announce to you before we get right into the midst of our worship. The first is that we do have our children's activity sheet that you can download a copy from the link in the text in this post, and you can find it on our church website so that that way you're able to engage your children at the same time. That is open to children of all ages. We don't keep track of who's uh, completing them, so we encourage you to utilize that. We always encourage you to continue to support this ministry, especially the videotaping and the ability to present to you music through your gifts. You you can click the link in the text in the post as well, or you can go to the Secure Giving page on our church website. All of those are open and accessible to you, and we thank you for supporting this and helping us to continue to provide this ministry to those, even in the midst of isolation and quarantine. And the last thing that I want to share with you is rather exciting. We're actually working to upgrade our worship broadcasts, and so as we're doing that, we're actually going to be doing a test run today on the, on the technology, but we are looking looking for used iPhones, iPhones generation 6 or newer that run on the iOS 13 operating system. And we're going to be using them as video cameras. We're going to have multiple video cameras. And so if you have an older iPhone that you're not using, or if you're looking to upgrade and you want to do something uh, charitable with the old phone, then we would love to receive them, receive them. We're looking for approximately two more. We have one that's been donated and we have a church iPad, but we are looking for those that will have multiple camera angles and we'll be able to film a greater expanse of what goes on here at our worship. So if you would like to donate, you can let us know here on our Facebook page. You can send a note to the church um, through email or through our webpage. You can do that any number of ways that you would like to do that. And thank you for even considering helping us to expand what we are able to do here. I have a feeling we're going to be doing it for a little while longer and we want to go on to perfection liturgically in this as well. So thank you for continuing to support us and enabling us to serve you. And so the other thing I want to share with you is that we are going to be singing two hymns this morning. And if you would like a little heads up so that you can Google and find the lyrics, we would love to be able to do that for you. We're going to be singing All Glory, Laud, and Honor, which is hymn number 280 in the United Methodist Hymnal. We are also going to be singing Because He Lives, which is hymn number 364 in the United Methodist Hymnal. And for, for those of you that are not familiar with these two hymns, these are classic hymns, All Glory, Laud, and Honor, is many times sung on Palm Sunday. However, it is about the kingdom and the kingship of Christ, and it's totally appropriate to be a processional hymn, and we're going to be singing that today. And Because He Lives is a classic, beloved Christian hymn, and not only are we going to have the opportunity to sing it, but we're going to have it as an anthem sung for us first, so you have the opportunity to hear it if you're not familiar with it. But we hope to continue to expand our musical repertoire, because as Methodists, we are a people who sing our faith. So without further delay, we're going to invite you to join us in the singing of all glory, laud, and honor, number 280 in the United Methodist Hymnal. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things that we treasure here in the life of Crozet United Methodist Church is our children's ministry. And believe me when I tell you that we have very much missed having the children here. They are a beloved part of our worship and they ask the very best questions. And so we want to encourage you to continue to do that. So if something happens during the week and you have a question or your child has a question, feel free to send it to me. They can film a video and ask me, or they can send an email. I've gotten some great emails this past week from some of our children letting me know what they've been up to and how they are feeling, and we would love to receive that, and I will do my very best to reply in a timely manner and hopefully not only continue the education and the inquisitiveness that we love so much, but helping all of us to stay connected. So today we are starting a brand new worship series and it's on the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And this was written by a wonderful Christian author and a theologian named C.S. Lewis. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to read the book, it's never too late. We're going to be talking about this for about six weeks. And it's also something that has been recreated in cartoon format, an animated movie and live action movie. And so this would be a perfect way for you to engage in some free time to either read this together as a family or read it separately and come together and discuss it, but even to watch one of the adaptions of it. We enjoy this at my house very much, and so we're going to be covering this, and today we're going to be talking about one of the children, Edmund. And so the other thing that I think is very important for our children is to know that just because you're not here doesn't mean that you still can't do things for Jesus. I got an incredible email this past week from one of our children, and she was talking about how she was working with her mother to make videos to send to people who can't get out and make signs for our essential workers. So those who are working at the hospitals and those who are working in our police stations and our EMTs and our firefighters, just to remind everyone that we have gratitude in our hearts. And I think that's excellent. So I would love for all of us to think of a way that we can show our gratitude this week. It's really easy for adults to get into a grumbling mindset and instead we want to to look at things as how can we be thankful and how can we show people that we have love in our hearts and gratitude for what they continue to do. And for some of us, that may mean telling our parents or telling others in our household, our siblings, or even our calling our other family members and letting them know that we're grateful for them. It might be a perfect opportunity to reach out to our teachers that we don't get to see as often anymore or letting other people in our neighborhood know through signs or you could send them a card or a letter this is a perfect opportunity for us to get creative. And C.S. Lewis, the author of the book that we're going to be talking about, got creative with his faith, and we want to do the same thing. So if you do it, do me a favor. Take a picture and send it to us here at the church so that we can see what you're doing and so that maybe we can help share that great idea with other people. This is a perfect opportunity for us to be connected through the gift of digital communication. So we hope that we'll get to see the amazing things that you're doing. And if you're already doing things, let us know what you're doing. We're excited to see that. We're working on stuff here too. We want to see what you're working on at home. And of course, I can't wait to see you all again and have you here. And so until then, I continue to pray for you and I hope you'll be praying for me too. So we look forward to seeing you again soon. And without further delay, we want to show you one of the things that we've been working on. One of the greatest gifts in our church is our musical ministry. We are just very blessed by people who are not only willing to do this for us 
in a regular Sunday, but are willing to do it for us in extreme circumstances like this. And so today, we're going to get to hear John Hilker, who has an incredible voice, share with us the hymn that we're going to be singing at the conclusion of our worship service, Because He Lives. So without further delay, I'd love to invite John to come forward. Send his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is I know, I know he holds the future, and life is worth a living just because he
of blessing. So this morning, we are going to hear from the gospel account of John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. But before we do that, I want to invite us to pray. Let us pray. Lord, we rejoice in the glory of this day, that no matter where we are or our circumstances, you continue to reach out towards us, to grant us blessings through the reading of scripture and the proclamation of your word, through the reminder in music that we are your people with so much to celebrate, not only the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ, but the glory of his return to us and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that continues to work in miraculous ways in our midst, that you have not forsaken us nor abandoned us to these unhappy earthly circumstances, but instead you seek to speak to us in new and innovative ways. May we hear you, receive you, and answer your call to be vessels of your goodness and your grace, no matter where we are, and to use the things at our hands, the means by which we can continue to preach the good word and to show kindness and mercy to those in our homes, as our neighbors, and in the world. May you enliven and invigorate our faith and continue to carry us through until we can gather once more in your home and praise you all together. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I invite you to hear these words from the Gospel account of John. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So today, traditionally in the life of the church, would be Doubting Thomas Sunday. It would be a time where many congregations would read this and would try to unpack and find new meaning in the story of Thomas. He's often called the Doubting Thomas, and there was certainly a moment of doubt there, but as I've preached before, I think that sometimes we slight Thomas by coming at his story with our ability to see where he failed. Instead of recognizing that many of us struggle with what it means to have faith and faith in that which is unseen. And so for Thomas, I think there was a yearning to have the very same experience that the other apostles had. He was probably wondering, well, why didn't Jesus wait till I was there? I wanted to see Jesus too. And of course, we have that same yearning. There are many times in our faith journey where we, even as modern Christians, yearn to see Christ, to have an incredible God encounter so that our faith would be strengthened and we would have the assurance of our faith. But 
we don't always have those same experiences. And it's too easy to fall into a mindset of jealousy or feeling less than as if we are lacking because we do not have these experiences. This is something that is actually at the core of the character we're going to talk about today in the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And if you don't have a copy of this, you can actually get free copies on the internet. You can download digital copies or you can read it from your computer or your phone. So we hope that you will do that. I want to share with you a little bit about C.S. Lewis, born as Clive Staples Lewis. I'm sure it was easier just to go by C.S. He was born in 1898, so just before the turn of the 20th century, and he had um, lived 65 years. He died in 1963, but this book was not published until 1950, so this is one of his later works. He was quite an accomplished man. He was baptized in the Irish version of the Church of England, the Anglican tradition, and he uh, was transmitted himself over to England. He actually graduated from Oxford University. He became a professor at both Oxford and Cambridge. And he had another famous colleague who was a professor with him and a friend. And the two of them discovered that they had a passion for writing. And you might know his friend. You might have even read some of his friend's work. His friend is J.R.R. Tolkien. And the two of them wrote incredible epic stories. Now, the difference between the two is that C.S. Lewis was an apologist. And in Christian doctrine and theology, that branch of theology, and ap apologetics are the desire to defend the doctrines of the church. And so for people that would say, well, you know, here's my problem with Christianity, or here's my problem with trying to believe these things, then the apologist would take those questions and those issues and try to address them. There are a lot of famous apologists in the Christian tradition, starting with the Apostle Paul. You can read some of his works in the Bible itself. You also find that we have it throughout Christian history, um, St. Augustine, Justin Martyr, Thomas Aquinas, and Anselm were all apologists, and so they were addressing the questions and the issues that were arising throughout their time period so that they too would provide strength and comfort and perhaps incline people to believe in Jesus Christ and our religion of Christianity. It's a huge tradition, but C.S. Lewis did this in a unique way. Not only did he have writings that were purely Christian, but then he found he had a passion for writing children's fiction. And even though we say children's fiction, this is for children of all ages. And in fact, a lot of our adults are reading it for the first time. How exciting is that, that we're never too old to engage in something that can bring us joy and is part of a fantastical world. And so we encourage you to do that. But C.S. Lewis wrote over 30 books. What's really interesting about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is that it's part of a seven-book series. And it's number two in the series, but this was the first book written. So this started the entire Narnia series. This is what really was jumping off. And if you read the book, you might find that there are a lot of overt Christian themes in here. And this is actually an allegory. And if you're not familiar with allegory, it is a literary structure that tells a story. And in it, it is taking abstract themes and bringing them into imagery and, and concrete storyline so that people can grasp at it. So what C.S. Lewis did was take Christianity and try to make it something that people of all ages, but especially children, could read and understand. And as he did this, he 
brought in incredible characters, and he gives us the opportunity to see Christianity from a different perspective. And allegory is something that we experience throughout Scripture as well. Now, there are pieces of allegory in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, and in the book of Ezekiel, but perhaps the most famous allegory in the entire world is the book of Revelation. And so you do have the opportunity to read allegorical work within the larger canon of the Bible, but this one's going to be a little bit more easy to get a hold of. Many adults are intimidated by the book of Revelation. You do not have to be intimidated by the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So we hope you'll read it. But one of the greatest things about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to me is that it helps us to tie together some of the themes that we saw today in our scripture reading about Thomas and in the character of Edmund. Now, Edmund is one of four siblings. His oldest sibling is Peter. His second oldest sibling is Susan. Then there's him. He's kind of in there in the middle child line of life. And then there's Lucy, the youngest. And as you follow along the story, you see that Edmund kind of struggles with what is his place and what is his role? What kind of purpose does he bring? Peter is the eldest. And while Susan isn't the eldest, she's the eldest girl. And so she has a different role. And these are children from back in the 1940s. These are children who are living in the midst of not only a war, they've kind of fled to the countryside so that they are not in the way of warfare and violence that is going on. And they find themselves isolated in this house of a professor. So this might speak very deeply to us right now as well. And there Edmund is struggling to find what he's doing. He's not the youngest. He can't claim to be the baby of the family. And he certainly doesn't want to be the next youngest. He wants to have of an important role. And unfortunately, a lot of his frustration and lack of direction and identity leads him to do things that many of us do of all ages. He tends to pick on his younger sibling. And I think he does this mostly out of frustration. He clearly has affection for her throughout the book, but there's also the tension of what am I supposed to do with our relationship? And when you see in the scripture that we read today that Thomas is kind of feeling that, that tension too. Why didn't I get to experience this? What am I here for? If I traveled around with Jesus for three years in earthly ministry and then Jesus comes back and reveals himself, how come I didn't get to have a part of that? Who am I supposed to be if I'm not one of those who witnessed the resurrected Lord? And we continue to have this struggle, not only in the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, but we have it in our lives. We, as we continue to grow and journey in our faith, we struggle with what am I supposed to be and, and who am I supposed to be in, in the body of Christ? What is my faith supposed to look like? And my faith doesn't look like hers and it doesn't look like his. So what is it? And we always have to look to see what is it that God is calling us to be. And Edmund has to explore to find this. But I think for a lot of us, and especially if you watch some of the depictions of the book, you find that Edmund kind of gets portrayed as this kind of hopeless bully. That, of course, Edmund would be the one that would betray his brothers and sisters and join the side of the White Witch. Of course, Edmund would be the one that would be lured by one of the most scrumptious delights, Turkish delight, in order to find his place. But if we pay attention to the story, we find that what Edmund is really after is not a delicious food. 
Instead, what Edmund is after is purpose in place. In the conversation that Edmund has with the white witch when he meets her, she says to him, you know, I don't have a child of my own, and I could make you my child, and you would have a place and a position and power and authority. You would be treasured and valued. And that lure is very enticing, not only to Edmund, but to us. How many of us, as we continue to look at who we are in this world right now, are lured by what the world tells us we should be, rather than focusing more on what God tells us we should be? One of the things that we focused on in Holy Week was that Jesus turned all expectations on their head when he tied a towel around his waist and he took the posture of a servant and he washed his disciples' filthy feet. He did this, and even Peter was like, you can't do this. This is, this is not right for you. But Jesus said, this is right. It's not about me being served. It's about me serving you. And I want you as leaders in this new thing that is emerging, this new Christianity, this new church, this new body of Christ, to take this posture to serve. And so we are not called to be people of power and privilege. We are called to be people of power and authority, seeking to use this gift of our faith to help serve others and to lead them into an encounter with Jesus Christ through the service that we give to them out of love and gratitude, signs of kindness and mercy born of our love and compassion, that same love and compassion that Christ has given to us. Now, Edmund has all kinds of struggles. He has tension with his siblings. He seems to struggle with whether or not he should do what the witch wants or do what, what Aslan wants or what should he do here. And he seems to be looking for guidance. And that should resonate very deeply with us. A lot of us look for guidance. Even myself as a pastor, I'm still looking for guidance. I turn to my boss, the district superintendent. I turn to our ultimate boss, the bishop. I turn to the scriptures. I constantly pray and ask for guidance and insight from the Holy Spirit. I try to figure out what Jesus would do if he were here in my position right now. And we are always reflecting on who we are and what we are called to be in the scriptures and through our tradition so that we can be the best Christian here and now. But I think one of the most powerful things about the story of Edmund is that he is redeemed. And there's a very powerful moment when he is rescued and he has this one-on-one -on -one encounter with Aslan. And in this, he finds forgiveness he finds reconciliation, and he is actually restored to his siblings from whom he had been physically separated. And there's this moment where Aslan says, you, know, you don't need to go over everything that has happened. And that really does embody for us exactly what Jesus does. He doesn't come in and completely castigate Thomas and deny Thomas the encounter that he wants. In fact, he encourages it. You wanted to see me. You wanted to feel me. Here I am. Touch me and see me and experience me as they have. And Edmund has that same experience with Aslan. But then the idea is that now you will share this experience with others. We're not going to focus on your failure. And sometimes in the church we have focused too much on the failure of Thomas. And too much in reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we focus too much on the failure of Edmund instead of the redemption. And not only are they both redeemed, but then they are both charged 
to take their new status and go forth and do something wonderful. Thomas is charged with going forth and continuing to share the good news that Christ died and Christ rose again and he lives this day. And the same with Edmund. Edmund is now charged with serving alongside his brothers and sisters and taking his rightful place in the leadership of Narnia. And as we continue to do these things in our lives, to find out where our gifts and our graces are called to places of service and places of leadership, as we are trying to figure out what our role is, not only in our home, but in the house of Jesus, we struggle to see where we are called to be. But the best part about the story of Thomas and the story of Edmund is that we don't do this alone. We don't do it in a vacuum. Instead, there seems to be this constant presence and this movement of others in our midst speaking truth to us, showing us grace and love, and helping us to move beyond our mistakes and in our past. The best thing about Christianity is that no matter who we were, we can become a Christian. And no matter what we have done, no matter what we have said, no matter the, the sins that we have committed, the crimes that we have made, no matter what we have done, we are able to be forgiven. And it's not that we are able to be forgiven and then we can be loved. We have been loved the entire time, but now we can experience that love in a powerful new way. It is one thing to love someone. It is another to forgive them and set them free to try again. And that is how powerful and profound the love of Jesus Christ is. And Thomas sees it. And in the Christian tradition, as I've shared before, Thomas is believed to have left the Jerusalem church. And he travels north and, and east. And he actually ends up in India in the Christian tradition. And there he founds a denomination of Christianity who still thrive today, the Martoma. And so he does exactly what he's supposed to do. Now, it looks very different from the other apostles, his siblings in Christ. And the same goes for Edmund. His journey doesn't look like Peter's or Susan's or Lucy's. And that's okay. He still has his moment where he comes and he recognizes that he too is of value. He is of sacred worth. He is loved. He can be forgiven. And he can go forth and try again. And that is our message. And C.S. Lewis so incredibly weaves that concept of grace and redemption into the story of Edmund. So if you haven't read the story and you start to, grant Edmund some grace. Because his story is the story of most of us in the church. Very few of us have the experience where we do everything right. Every single one of the characters, every single one of the siblings from Peter to Susan to Lucy, in addition to Edmund, have their struggles. Lucy discovers Narnia because she's kind of taken their game too far. She goes too far out beyond the limits and the safety and she enters into this world. And then she asks somebody to kind of lie on her behalf so that she doesn't get in trouble for visiting this world, even though she is so ready and willing to embrace it and to believe. We find the struggle with all of them. And then Peter and Susan don't believe because they haven't been there and they haven't seen. And not only does Edmund not believe in the beginning, but he actually mocks Lucy. And the transformative thing that I have experienced time and time again in my ministry in the church is that there are plenty of people who have spent vast portions of their life mocking and making fun of Christians, and then they have their Christ encounter. 
and the whole world shifts. And if we who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ turn around and go, well, you can't come and eat with us because you used to mock us and you used to make us feel terrible and you used to have disdain for Jesus Christ, then we're not showing the kind of radical grace that Christ showed to Thomas, nor are we continuing the grace that Christ shows to us. Instead, our response should always be, it doesn't matter what you said or did before, because if you accept the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ, then you are welcome here. You are welcome at our home. You are welcome at our table, and you are welcome in our hearts. May that be the lesson that we take forward as we continue to explore this incredible spiritual gift that C.S. Lewis has given to generations throughout time. Over 70 years, people have been reading the story. And for some people, this is their first foray into Christendom. So may we find more means by which we can share the good news and tell a story in a compelling and exciting way. And just perhaps we will find ourselves in this story as well, which is the intention always and everywhere in Scripture, to read it and find ourselves. So may this week be filled with an opportunity to go back and look at these characters who are not perfect, just perfectly loved. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Now, this would be a time where we would offer everyone in their midst their opportunity to worship the Lord with their tithes and their offerings. And of course, you are welcome and encouraged to do that. We have been so blessed and grateful for those of you who have not only continued to do that if you were a part of our church family before the isolation, but those of you who have become part of our church family who bless us with your gifts. It's an incredible thing to be able to join together this aspect of our faith and continue to bless. And so we're going to have more information coming out in the days ahead about all all the things that we have been doing and what we're going to be doing in the future, but it, those are only possible because of your support. And so once more, we always encourage you, if you say to yourself today, what can I do? You can pray, you can give, and you can share. You can share the good news, you can share what we're doing here, you can share what you've experienced, and we always encourage you and want to empower you to do that. So thank you very much from the, our deepest gratitude and for the glory of God for all that you are and all that you do. So without further delay, we are going to invite you to join us in our closing hymn, Because He Lives, number 364.
hope that you have been blessed and enjoyed this time with us. And we hope that it will continue to inspire you and remind you that Christ is with you and for you. And because he lives, we can all face tomorrow, no matter what trials and tribulations it brings. So may you receive this blessing. May you go forth to show others that Christ is very much alive and living. May he be revealed in you and through you, your words, your actions, and the way in which you talk and love to others. May others come to experience him because he lives in you. Go forth this day in peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.